Brother Kurtman, so good to have Brother Charles Kurtman with us and uh, pastored here near us for many years, Wildwood, Missouri, and now the Lord's using him in a lot of different places, traveling and preaching. Come on, Brother Kurtman, we appreciate you being here and glad you have your Bible with you. Amen. <laughs> glad you found it last night. I was kind of uh, on pins and needles when I asked Brother Smith to look for my Bible. He called me and told me that he found it, and I was waiting for him to tell me some story about it. it. was run over in the parking lot two or three times or something like that. But I was shocked. He just said, I found your Bible. It was a blessing. I told somebody, and uh, it's a real honor and a responsibility to be able to preach, and I appreciate the opportunity. I told uh, someone during the break that I don't know when I've ever been at a Bible conference when there was one sermon right after the other, just so excellent, so good, chock full of the Word of God, really, really good. And I don't want to be like the man that I had tell me recently about a conference, and the, uh, they were complimenting the singers they'd had, the good music, and it was excellent music. And then a man got up with his family, and he also complimented and said, we've had such tremendous music. He said, we're going to put a stop to that right now. <laughs> I don't want to be like that. So if you will, pray for me that I won't be, and turn to Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah chapter 9, all of the messages seem to, and this is a great thing about a good Bible conferences, when all the messages and the songs, Brother Schaefer's song just now really uh, goes along with, with my message, and I think the others have, uh, have also. <clears throat> so I appreciate the good sequential introduction the brethren have given to, for my message. <laughs> Let's all stand together, and we'll begin reading in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 1, and we'll read through verse 7. I want to preach on this subject, the burden of Jeremiah. And I think that we've learned a lot of things out of COVID-19 and all of that. But what we need, what's been pressed upon my mind and my heart, is we need a burden. And I think there are many of us here today that would say there was a time when I had a much greater burden for God's work and for souls. Maybe you're not one of them, but there are some of us who could say my burden is not what it used to be and it's not what it ought to be. And the Bible has a lot to say about a burden. Before we read, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you will bless and the reading of your scripture and the preaching of this message. You'll get honor and glory from it. Lord, open uh, ears and hearts to your word. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll give us the help that we need in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeremiah 9, verse 1, Jeremiah said, Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go from them. For they be all adulterers and assembly of treacherous men. And they bend their tongues like their bow for lies, but they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, saith the Lord. Take ye heed every one of his neighbor, and trust ye not in any brother. For every brother will utterly supplant, and every neighbor will walk with slanders. 
And they will deceive everyone his neighbor and will not speak the truth. They have taught their tongue to speak lies and weary themselves to commit iniquity. Thine habitation is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit they refuse to know me, saith the Lord. Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will melt them and try them, for how shall I do for the daughter of my people? Please be seated. Now you look at the background of this passage of Scripture, and it's a familiar passage of Scripture. Jeremiah is describing his heart, his burden here. And uh, I want us to see three things, and I'm going to preach just as fast as I can. But I hope you'll just follow along in the Bible with me and look at these three things about a burden. The first thing is the result of Jeremiah's burden. When a person really has a burden, there's going to be an outcome of that. There's going to be results. If a man has a burden, if a woman has a spiritual burden, if a preacher, if a church has a burden, that's going to show up. There will be results. And secondly, I want you to think about the reason for his burden. You get burdened about a lot of things today that they shouldn't be getting burdened about and not burdened about things that they ought to be burdened about. Jeremiah had a reason for his burden. In the last place, I want us to see what the scripture says, what this message has to say about the rightness of Jeremiah having a burden. Not long ago, I was preaching down in South Carolina, and the Lord led me to preach on this simple subject, and that is there's nothing wrong with being right. A lot of of Christian parents need to be encouraged. Amen and affirmed in raising their families right. Because I'm telling you right now, there is a whole lot in Christianity today and in churches that want to discourage and put people on a guilt trip for trying to do what's right. So I just came along this morning to say once again that there's nothing wrong with being right. Now let's look at the result of Jeremiah's burden. And notice, number one, the depth of his sorrow. This this was no flash in the pan thing with him. The depth of his sorrow. He's called, we know him as, the weeping prophet. Uh, Today we have more woke type prophets than we have weeping prophets. Amen. They want to identify with the woke. Somebody's talking about the cancel culture. Well, we've had a cancel culture going on full steam for about five decades to cancel out holiness in churches. Amen. And the right spirit in churches and preaching the truth. Preach the truth in love, the Bible says. Amen. A lot of things have been canceled out. Doctrines being canceled out in Baptist churches. And so we have, uh, we, we don't have nearly as many weeping preachers as we need to have today. That, that's my feeling about it. I, and, I, and I'm right at the, I'm, I'm at the head of the parade waving a banner when it comes to that. I need to weep a lot more. I need to have my burden restored more than it's ever been in these times in which we live. I think one of the greatest things we need to have is a burden. When you look at the depth of his sorrow in verse 1, you see the profuseness with which he sorrowed. 
Now, he doesn't say, I just shed a few tears and forgot all about it by the time I got to my chariot on the parking lot. He said, oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night. That's a profuse burden. That's somebody whose body is racked with sobs and he can't speak. And all he can do is weep. A profuse burden. That's what we need today. Not just a stirring up of our emotions by some song or a sermon, but a profuse and a long-lasting burden. So he mentions, I, I wish I could weep day and night. I feel guilty because I'm not weeping day and night. In light of the situation, I'm not responding as I ought to. And then he speaks in the latter part of verse 1 about the people for whom he sorrowed. Notice what he says. He says it's his people. Amen. I'm telling you, we need to be very burdened about the state of churches today and the state of professed Christianity and, and our whole nation. See, the nation's attitude has seeped into the church like an overflowing sewer. Amen. We have a world out there that is hard-hearted as it can be, and they run commercials and plead for money for sad-looking dogs and cats and skinny horses and forget all about the millions of babies that are being put to death in the most savage, pagan way possible every day in this country. We have a, ours is a day of cauterized consciences. Seared as with a hot iron. And that spirit has come into the churches as well. If it hasn't in yours, if it's not, it doesn't apply in any way to you, I'm glad for that. Now notice, secondly, the desire that he had for solitude. Not only the depth of his sorrow, but he goes from that into verse 2 and speaks, the Bible speaks of his desire for solitude. Feeling like he did, he just wanted to get away from it all. Amen. Anybody here ever felt like that? You start fantasizing about things. You start thinking about other businesses and maybe other things you might do. And Jeremiah did that. In verse 2 he said, Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men. If I could just open up a bed and breakfast. <laughs> I'd witnessed everybody that came along. Maybe I could go out there and do this or that or the other thing. So he had all of these things on his Mind. He wanted solitude. Why? Well, in verse 2, he makes mention of the wilderness for which he longed. He longed to be in the wilderness. I'm telling you, we're in a wilderness today. This old world is a wilderness. And churches are in the wilderness today, spiritually speaking. You know what makes the wilderness, the wilderness experience especially bad? The mixed multitude. Amen. Amen. The mixed multitude, that is, as one preacher has already said, scoffing at those who want to live according to this book. That's the mixed multitude that's running the show in a lot of churches. And sometimes it's, it's running it from behind pulpits as well as from pews. A mixed multitude. So he mentions he'd just like to get away from all of this 
and get out into the wilderness and, and to get it all behind him somehow and disconnect. And then he makes a second mention of something, and this is what troubled him, the wickedness that he loathed. I use the word loathe not just for the sake of alliteration, but it works out good that way because it's a strong word. When, when, when you loathe something, that means you just hate it. That means you just despise it. That means you look it over and you consider it and you think about it and you just, you just burn up with a loathing for sin. Amen. You know, we've come to a place in churches today, they don't even know what sin is. In a lot of places. I mean, this is not a newsflash. You, you talk to some people about holiness, they, they think they're holy. And they are, they, they are as obviously know nothing about holiness whatsoever. Let me just say this. If that inner man is right, like Brother Fryman spoke about, the outer man is going to show it. When you get a good case of Holy Ghost salvation, it's like the measles. Nobody will know that you have it for a little while, but before, before long it will start popping out all over. Amen. That's Christianity 101 right there. Amen. If anybody be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's not working his way for 30 years trying to get talked into something. Amen. He felt like David felt in Psalm 55. David said, Give ear to my prayer, O God. Hide not thyself from my supplication. Attend unto me and hear me. I mourn in my complaint and make a noise because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the, of the wicked. He said, My heart is sore pained within me. And men can relate to how David felt and how Jeremiah felt, unless they're one of these woke preachers. Amen. Amen. Going along to get along. I'm telling you, these things matter. Yes, sir. Preachers need to look like preachers. They need to act like preachers. Amen. Yes. Amen. One time, William Booth wrote a letter to his wife, the founder of the Salvation Army. And this was right at the height of their work. And he, wrote, he sent her a, a, a letter, and in, it, in the letter he said, I wonder if I could not get something to do in London of some kind, some secretaryship perhaps, or something respectable that could keep us going. He just wanted to get out of it, just get away from it all. And that's what Jeremiah wanted to do. He wanted to quit and run away. Now, maybe you never had that experience, but it's very likely that many of us could say, oh, I've had that experience. I've had those thoughts. Maybe they haven't lingered very long, but I've had them. But here's the deal. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 20 and verse 9, he said, I, I will not, he came to the place where he said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But he said, but, but here's what happened. He said his word was in mine heart as a burning fire. Can you relate to that? Shut up in my bones. And, uh, and I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. So he just kept on, kept on going. Matthew Henry said about this, he said it, it made Jeremiah 
the situation, the conditions, even weary of his life, to see his people dishonoring God and destroying themselves. That's what's so sad about it. A worldly Christian is destroying themselves. They're destroying their, their family. They're destroying their future. So he had, uh, he had a very deep burden, the result of his burden. This is what it was. It's the way he felt. And the reason for his burden, again, point you back to verse 1, he calls them my people. Amen. He was burdened for his people. He didn't want to beat them up. He was just burdened for them. And... Uh, Here's a man who's living like, I thought about Lot when he was in Sodom. Peter said that Lot vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. He was living in Sodom. But Jeremiah's talking about his people. And they vexed his soul like this. He was burdened, number one, I want you to see this, right, it's right here in the Bible, in verse 2. There's a twofold reason why he was burdened like this. Broken down, broken hearted, burdened. The first reason is, he said they be all adulterers. Jeremiah was burdened of who his people had betrayed. It wasn't about Jeremiah. Jeremiah was grieving for God's sake. This worldliness is a grievance to the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah is responding like this because of who his own people had betrayed. He says they're all guilty of spiritual adultery. Used to hear that preached upon more. Spiritual adultery. That, you, know, you know what's involved in adultery? Uh, an adulterer is a philanderer. I looked that word up in the dictionary just to be sure, but uh, Jeremiah was burdened because of the philandering in which his people were engaged. A philanderer is a person who's unfaithful in the most intimate ways to their spouse. How many times in the Bible do you read, especially in the Old Testament, and Jesus mentioned it again and again when he was here, and referred to the adultery of God's people. Now, a philanderer is somebody who is betraying the person above all others that they shouldn't betray. Now, here's a question comes to mind. Back there in this time, why, would, why had these people come to this place? might help us understand something today about where we are today. In verse 14, it's not very flattering, but look at verse 14. Here's the answer. He says, but they have walked after the imagination of their own heart and after Balaam. Well, that's bad, but it gets worse. Why did they do that? Which their fathers taught them. Amen. It's time for... Fathers to stand up and be men and raise their children according to the word of God. 
amen, and support the men of God who are their pastors and lift them up in their children's sight and in their ears. Amen. These people had become this way because their fathers had taught them this. In other words, their children had picked up on the real deal. It's one thing to go to church. It's another thing to get in the car and be on the way home and the rest of the week at home. What goes on at home? These kids are not dummies. It amazes me how little three, four, five-year-old children, how much they can pick up out of it. You think they're not paying attention? They're paying attention. Amen. They pay attention through their childhood and into their teens. They, they, sometimes they, they learn, oh, this is a game we play. We just play church and we live like we want to live. Christianity is whatever kind of smorgasbord we want it to be. Now, I'll tell you that's a responsibility. The main responsibility for that is fathers. Not the pastor, not the youth pastor, but it's fathers. These people were philanderers. Well, if you're a philanderer, you're engaged in philandry, you have to have a paramour. Amen. You have to have somebody you're philandering with. And Israel had paramours that they had embraced. The dictionary says a paramour is a lover, often a secret one that you're not married to. Now, what was the case with Israel? Israel had embraced the filthy gods and goddesses of the heathen. You know who the filthy gods and goddesses of the heathen are in America, in a sense? The sports world. Amen. I am telling you right now, and this is not just a, a preference or my opinion. you got a brain in your head. We we'll ought to be able to see out of this COVID, a lot of things have been revealed. The rotten, stinking wood and rock garbage can's been lifted up to expose all of the maggots underneath it. Amen. And this sports culture is not for born-again believers. And neither is this entertainment industry. Amen. They are the biggest collection of spiritual, immoral filth that has ever existed in America. I'm not denying that they're souls for whom Christ died. The point I'm trying to make is Christians do not need to support them in any way or try to make excuses for them. This is what Jeremiah is broken up about. And, and the thing is, they didn't do what they were doing behind God's back. They did it right in the sight of God. They bring things into churches today right in the sight of God and do things in churches, on platforms, and everything else. This is a house of God. Amen. Amen. People say all the time, oh, two or three are gathered together. God is in our midst. Hallelujah. We believe that. God is in our midst. Really? Do they really believe that? If God were sitting right there in the incarnate farm of Christ, I'm telling you, they behave themselves a little differently. Yeah. Yeah. Is that not the truth? Yeah. Well, Jeremiah became burdened, not only because of who his people had betrayed, and that's who it's all about God. It's not about us. Amen. We're not to take things personally. How impertinent. What a colossal ego is behind that. 
But he was also burdened because of what his people had become. That's right here in the scripture. They had become a very iniquitous people. Iniquitous. That's a stronger synonym, strong synonym for the word evil. His own people. He said in verse, verse 2, they become an assembly of treacherous men, bend their tongues like a bow for lies, and, uh, and, uh, and they proceed from evil to evil. I mean, they, they, begin with one, they begin with one thing that's not right, and the next thing you know, it's unbelievable what they're doing in the sight of God. And this is what he's burdened about. I didn't come here because Walmart had a sale on wet blankets and thought, now's a good time to throw one on everybody. <laughs> but it's right here in the Bible, beloved. This is our, this is our own day. Amen. This is America. This is American, American Christianity. They became a very iniquitous people. Look what they had become. They, they weren't people. They were not people who were devoted to truth. Amen. They weren't devoted to truth. They, they bend their, their tongues for lies. And uh, people have gotten real good at bending the truth today. People today in churches, Brother Smith, they treat the truth like it's silly putty. They, they treat the, the truth like a Build-A-Bear. They're going to shape it and make it however they want it to be. Amen. They become people who weren't deserving of trust. When people aren't devoted to truth, they're not very deserving of anybody's trust. Amen. So they became a very iniquitous people. That's what they became. And they, and they became a very ignorant people. Somebody brought this out already in a sermon. I mean, people today, they want to tell the preacher what's right. You know why all these governors and everybody else and everybody else from, from a steward to a to a sanitation engineer in an airport. I mean, you give them a little bit of power and they're good, they go crazy. You know why they're doing all of this junk today? It's not because of the sciences behind it, because there's no science behind it. It's a comic book behind it. They're not doing this because they're so smart. They're doing it because they're so ignorant. And people in churches that try to get people in the church or get the church as a whole off of the old paths, it's not because they're smarter. It's because they're ignorant. Amen. And that goes for the guys with all the young preachers and the not-so-young preachers, the alphabet soup after their names and everything else. They got a new way of doing it. They think they're so much smarter than the old... The old pastors and preachers and old-time Christians. Well, they don't. how are we doing when it comes to piety and spirituality under all these new cart type of religion? We've got to get back to the old paths. We're so far gone now. We're like they were in Jeremiah days. So you've got to stand and, and ask for the old path. Where'd they go? What is an old path? Amen. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people who need to be gouged and nudged and set. Watch what you're doing before you start leading off in all these directions. 
and how you behave yourself and how you, the direction you want the church to go in. Somebody said one time, said, uh, if, you were in, if you were running in some circles, you wouldn't talk like that. Listen, I don't run in circles. <laughs> I'm not running in any circles. I, I, I'm in a straight and a narrow way. Amen. We're not to be running in circles. We're to stick with the book. Follow the word of God. Oh, yeah, these people are so ignorant. And the sad thing is, when you read this, the prophets were the primary source of and the explanation for why the people were where they were. And if you read on in Jeremiah, and I'm not going to read these verses, I've only got a minute left, which is fine. I'm telling you, this time limit is a good thing in a lot of ways. You know why? Because it helps you and me keep our verbiage out of it and have more of God's word into it. Amen. We need, we're going to have to really have a lot more of that trimming. Amen. I'll say this lastly. It was right for Jeremiah to have a burden like this. And it's, and it's wrong for us to have no burden or hardly any burden. And I'll tell you why it, why it was like, why it was right. It's number one, is because it was consistent with the mind of God. Jeremiah's burden was consistent with God's indictment of his people. He's not saying anything that God hadn't said. Look at, look at verse 8. And his burden was consistent with God's intentions for his people. God knows what he wants for his people. In verse 7, he said, Therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will melt them and try them, for how shall I do for the daughter of my people? God is not going to let sin slide. So it was right for him to have this burden because it was consistent, Brother Bernie, with the heart of God. You know the second reason it was right? is because such a burden as Jeremiah had is the only thing that's really conducive to getting God's help. And that's what we need today. We, we need help. God was on the verge of destroying ancient Israel in the wilderness until Moses got so burdened, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but you read it for yourself, basically he said, send me to hell. Let's spare this people. Isn't that what he said? And you got the same thing over. And here's the secret of Paul's soul winning success in the ministry and his ministry success all the way around. Moses' burden explains the survival of a whole nation. And Paul's burden explains his spiritual power and soul-winning success. And I've gotten a lot of help from the preaching today and last night. Listen to the heart of Paul. See if you think he had a burden. He said, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. It's right for men of God to have and express a burden for the spiritual state of America and for American as a whole. Amen. I really got I really got a some help from the previous preacher, brother Geis. I mean, that's we've got to get back 
to that. I mean, more than ever, the best person in here in terms of having a burden for lost souls and acting upon it. We've got to put that on steroids. Amen. Amen.